Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There is no better group of pots of flower power and forms of the shrubby potentilla. Hello and welcome to This Week in the Garden. I'm Peter Seabrook here to help with some of your gardening quandaries. It's been cold here, but believe me, it's been colder in Chicago. This week, we go stateside and speak to Chris Bates of Ball Publishing. They provide the horticultural community with all the information they need on the latest innovations and crops. I'll be asking Chris about the introduction of Impatien's Beacon to the UK this spring. My thanks to Westland Horticulture, sponsors of this podcast, and of course to my producer, Charlie Jones. February Fieldike, the old saying goes, but uh, while rain is getting into the soil on my veg plot, uh, we're not up to field capacity yet. Uh, you know, that's the point when, if I'm... Uh, Digging, the bottom of the trench actually fills with water. I quite like to see that because in uh, my part of the country it's quite dry through the summer and if you have really got good reserves of water well down uh, and you mulch, then there's a very good chance that you can hang on to that moisture when it's needed in very hot weather. The cold, drying winds have uh, taken away some of the moisture that we got from melted snow. Soil's pretty good, works pretty well. And when I stop and think about it, most of the weather through January and again now in February is quite remarkable. It's really good out in the garden uh, over the last weekend and the buds are beginning to swell. I see that on the apricots they're almost to the point of showing a bit of colour. And of course we've got daffodils now, showing the very early ones showing colour. Things are really on the move. That's what we like to see. Day's getting a bit longer, evening's a bit lighter and the sun with a bit of power in it. Last January saw gardening off to a flying start, uh, with garden centre sales up by 7% compared to last year, uh, and those sales set a new record for January. I'm not sure that snow is going to help February much, although Tim Jeffries tells me that the mail orders for Mr Fothergill's seeds are coming in well. I've just received the latest catalogue from Dibley's, the specialist uh, indoor plant nursery up, up in uh, North Wales, uh, and they'll be introducing Streptocarpus lemon sorbet. It's a cream with carmine throat, and, and it looks uh, very attractive. Uh, we'll be seeing that at uh, Chelsea Flower Show, but I like to go to the Dibley catalogue to check out on the hot water plant, Achimenes. I don't know why more people don't grow those. It has a little rhizome, looks a bit like a birch tree seed cone. A little tiny little flaky pieces. Uh, and you just pop those into some uh, universal potting compost, several of them in a five-inch pot, 
and they flower right the way through the summer and into autumn. And they're a good purchase because where you buy just two or three rhizomes, when you uh, break them out of the pot in the autumn, you've got a lot more for your money. Actually, talking about uh, hot water plant rhizomes, be a good time to check all those frost-tender tubers and corms for any sign of disease. Hard frost caught me a bit uh, ill-prepared, although uh, the potatoes in the garage were in a very thick cardboard box, and they look to be all right so far. Uh, I've got several quite big zonal geraniums which uh, sometimes survive outside in a protected corner close to the house. Uh, They look a bit uh, woebegone now, and I need to fetch off every dead leaf and trim back the young shoots that have obviously been killed. If you are trying to uh, overwinter stuff, do make sure that the dead leaves don't hang about because when the weather goes a bit damp and mild, botrytis can really settle in and the disease damage what healthy growth you have got left. It's not just the plants that are outside. If you've got uh, cuttings rooted on the windowsill indoors, it's the same kind of story. Keep all the dead leaves cleaned off. Water regularly, but the plants don't want to sit wet at this time of the year. The compost just needs to be damp. So when you draw the curtains, just lift the pot, see how heavy it is. If it's heavy, it means the compost is still really quite damp. But uh, as that dries, then of course it'll get lighter in weight and you'll need more moisture. Cuttings rooted last autumn on windowsills uh, are beginning to grow. Now that the days are lengthening a bit and with the warmth from the central heating, And so it'll be time to just ease those gently out their pots, take some of the old compost off, repot them into fresh, and away they'll go again. I'm doing that at present with uh, both the zonal and regal pelargoniums and fuchsias. The fuchsias, you can take the tips out in a few weeks' time, root those, so as well as the original plant rooted last autumn, you can increase the numbers by rooting the tips. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Our guest interview today is rather special, and we're going quite a long way, right across the Atlantic to Chicago. Uh, my guest is Chris Bates, who's the editor of a magazine called Grower Talks, which quite honestly is the Bible to uh, many of us grower people if we want to know what's going on. Chris and I met in Germany a week or two ago, and and our paths do cross occasionally. Now, Chris, I hear some uh, remarkable news about the weather with you in Chicago. Well, it's, it's a balmy 41 or 43 today, here in uh, Chicago, out in the western suburbs. Four days ago, it was uh, 27 below zero Fahrenheit, which is, uh, even by Chicago standards, that's, that's extremely nippy. Uh, I went out and for a few minutes just to top off the bird feeders, and I realized this is the kind of weather in which, if you're not careful, they will find you next spring as a frozen lump. So I dashed back into the house very quickly, but pretty extreme. I mean, we... <laughs> We've been complaining here with just three or four degrees of frost, you know, the ground quite hard. But, uh, I mean, that's unbelievable. How do you survive those sort of temperatures? Well, you stay indoors is really because that's when you realize that is it's, it's truly dangerous cold. And then you throw on the wind chill, which you wonder what that really means. But when you're out in 27 below and the wind is blowing and then the, wind, the, the, the air is like razor blades, so for me, I come back inside and I have a, a, a very nice sunroom. My wife is a, is, a, is a horticulturist and a houseplant collector, and I'm, surra- I'm in it right now, as a matter of fact, and I'm surrounded by about 100 tropical plants. It's about 70 degrees. I have a little fountain in one corner. I have music playing. Uh, so that's, that's, uh, that's how you get through a Chicago winter, surrounded by plants. We're Floridians originally, and so we're used to being surrounded by plants. Uh, you know, 365 days a year. And in in Chicago, you have to pretty much stop gardening outdoors by mid-October when it freezes. So a couple of years ago, I built this uh, this addition on my house, which is a a beautiful sunroom, almost a conservatory, but not quite. And it's it's, uh, chock full of my wife's uh, uh, succulent and tropical collection. So that's what I'm surrounded by right now. It's very nice. Because in the summer... It will be the reverse, won't it? I mean, you have, I've been there occasionally uh, um, for the centenary of, of Ball, for example, and, and it was very humid and very high temperature. So you have great extremes, don't you? It'll, it'll go to 95 or even touch 100, but it doesn't do it for long like it would in the, in the southern U.S. You know, it'll, it'll get up there for a few days, but then it comes back down. And it also, it comes back down in the evening, too. I grew up in Florida where... Gosh, during the, the extreme of you know July or August, even at night, it's uh, you know nine or ten at night, it's still eighty-five degrees and ninety percent humidity. You don't get any relief here. Uh, you at least get the relief in the evening. So it's yeah. it's not a bad place to live. Although I will say we we have our sights set back on Florida, so we can go back to to gardening year-round. Yeah. Well, now can we talk a little bit about grower talks? I mean, uh, a lot of my sure, listeners. You mentioned, it, you mentioned ball, and I'm sure yeah. folks want to know what what you mean by ball. The ball centennial. Grower Talks magazine is a, a greenhouse trade publication, so it doesn't go to consumers or to gardeners. Although you can certainly access it online at growertalks.com, but it goes to professional plant growers, and it's been doing that since uh, since 1937. 
when it was uh, created by George J. Ball, who was the founder of the Ball Seed Company. And and you mentioned Ball. Ball is a, uh, a big wholesale supplier of seed and plants and to some extent supplies. They also uh, do breeding of plants. We may talk about that a little bit here this morning. Um, and they have operations around the world. It's truly a global company. And, uh, and I run the publishing division, running Grower Talks magazine. We have a garden center magazine called Green Profit. And now, because of, of course, the modern, modern age of uh, technology and the Internet, we do a lot of different e-newsletters. I do videos. I do uh, webinars. I don't do podcasts yet. I've been, I've been thinking about that one. <laughs> still, I'm leaving that one to you, to you, Peter. Well, here we don't have any vision, so, so they don't have to see us. But, but who knows what the future holds, eh? For me, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> now, as part of the job as editor, you travel, obviously, to states very widely and abroad. Um, how do you see the industry at present? I mean, it's changing, isn't it? Well, it's certainly changed, as far as I'm concerned, over the last 10 years. It really is. I think that um, you know consumers, and my interest is, is not only how do you produce plants uh, profitably, but uh, how do you sell them? How do you get consumers to become gardeners, to even know that, that the, the world that, that we live in exists? And it's amazing how many people kind of don't pay any attention to it. They take it for granted, uh, you know, the, the world of flowers and plants. Uh, but, and especially with technology and the Internet and uh, – Amazon and all these different factors coming in, how do we get people to want to go outside and get their hands dirty? Um, and so that's what I spent a lot of my time uh, thinking about, writing about. Um, certainly, you, uh, in fact, one of the questions I'll have for you later is, is how has the, the UK gardener changed uh, over, the, over the decades? But, uh, but we spent a lot of time talking about how do we keep plant, flowers and plants in front of the consumer. We also talk about... Um, Labor costs. That's probably the number one thing I hear uh, greenhouse growers talking about. Labor is getting more and more expensive. It's also more scarce. Uh, it's hard to find folks who want to, to work out in a, a hot greenhouse or a, or a nursery field. It's, uh, it's not a glamorous job. I have the glamorous job. You and I do, traveling around looking at these things. But producing them, which we've also both done, I think, is very tough. So that's what we spent a lot of time doing. I have quite happy memories of working in really hot greenhouses uh, and out in the winter too, lifting rose bushes when it's cold. Uh, I love. You'd go back to it in a, in a second, I'm sure, wouldn't you? Oh, I love the job. I love the job. <laughs> yeah, I always used to to go home lunchtime, and if I was working in a cucumber house with the temperature up in the nineties, you know, you need to have a really good lunch. You know, then you can put up with the heat. Uh, and, and um... it's true. And, and my wife and I had a greenhouse in Florida, commercial greenhouse. So that's how I I got into it. I have an education in, in journalism, so that's how I combined the two. And it truly is a a great great field. And we work very hard to encourage younger people to come into it. You know, not everybody can can be or even wants to be a computer programmer. Right or uh, or a financial uh, wizard on you know Wall Street or what have you. Uh, it's it's a tremendous uh, tremendous. Uh, there's tremendous opportunities to uh, to get out in you know and surround yourself with plants. Um, and there's a lot of opportunities here in the states. When we talk about what are the changes I've seen, uh, the local food movement uh, is is very big. So you see lots and lots of greenhouses popping up 
in places where you didn't before, where they're growing fresh tomatoes or fresh greens for you know hyper local consumption, and that's a, that's sort of a uh, uh, an inroad to younger people to find out about you know the greenhouse industry and maybe to lead over to, to flowers and plants. The area I spend more time talking about. Another very interesting one is cannabis marijuana production, and it's becoming legal either medicinally or even recreational, kind of state by state uh, over here, and uh, uh, and in Canada as well, where it's now countrywide, it's, it's legal recreationally, and there's been a lot of uh, new greenhouses being built, also uh, greenhouses being converted over into cannabis, and those uh, facilities need growers, and so some people are discovering our world of growing plants by growing cannabis. Now, will they eventually be tired of, uh, of being, you know, those, I've been in those facilities that are surrounded by barbed wire and cameras, and you're, 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 you're scanned in and out, and it's you know, most people who, who get into the plant business, they like freedom. They like the open and the fresh air and the, like that. So I'm hoping that some of those folks after a few years of growing cannabis will say, you know, this is fine, but gosh, I, I think I'll grow some, uh, some poinsettias or uh, <laughs> Easter lilies or something instead. That's, that's our hope. Well, I think one of the most profitable crops here in Britain is probably cannabis. But, of course, it's all illegal um, and, and shouldn't be the case. But things are changing quite fast. On a, on a more um, open note, Chris, can I take you on to the Busy Lizzie, the new Impatiens beacon? It's just been announced here in Britain that we will have some seed and plants. But you actually saw trials of uh, Beacon last summer, I believe. I did. I was. Uh, I was. Uh, uh, Beacon is actually bred by one of my my sister companies called Pan American Seed, which is uh, kind of based here in Chicago. But they have a facility in the Netherlands, and it's there that uh, a breeder quite a few years ago uh, found one variety of of impatiens walleriana. Uh, actually, I'm not even sure it's a walleriana. They won't. They won't share all the details um, that proved to have resistance to impatient downy mildew, which is this devastating disease, which has not only wiped out the busy Lizzie in, in, in UK, but in South Africa, Australia, much of the US, especially in the hotter, more humid climates like Florida and the East Coast, uh, dropping that plant from the number one bedding plant, the number one garden plant, uh, dropping it by 40 to 60% or more to sales, especially where you are. So now this, this new variety called Beacon has come out. I, uh, I wrote about it uh, a year ago and actually saw the trial plants and the, the, the finished plants in the Netherlands. So I was the first person to, to write about it at the time it wasn't even named. Uh, I saw it uh, three weeks ago in Florida, out in the ground in trials, looking very, very nice on any other occasions would have been wiped out by this disease. Uh, and it, it is coming into the, uh, into the, the UK market, uh, this spring. So gardeners will finally have a chance to, uh, to maybe bring back, uh, those beautiful impatience to the shade. There's a, there's a second, uh, variety from an, another company, uh, Syngenta flowers called Imara. And I think we saw that one at, uh, the IPM show in Germany where we were both, uh, we both were two weeks ago. So that's a, a second one that's going to be on the market. Now, the real test will be how does it perform in the gardener's landscape? Regardless of what the breeders say and how much testing has been done, and trust me, lots of testing has been done on these varieties to ensure that they are, I think the term is highly resistant to, to impatience downy mildew. Uh, but it'll, it'll, the 
the proof is in the pudding, as they say. How yeah. will it do out in the landscape? But, but you've uh, so on, that's exciting news. Yeah, on your video, uh, um, was that in Holland or in California? Uh, the one I just recently posted was in Florida. Oh right, was in Florida. Yep. Yeah, and because the plants looked. Uh, Really full of flower, nicely compact. Looked like a very good introduction to me. Yes, there's uh, not lots of colors. Some of the some of the older series, like Accent, that you might have seen, uh, or some of the others, had as many as thirty different shades of orange and salmon and pink and white and lavender. And these are maybe six colors for Beacon. I think and Mara might have eight or nine, including a bicolor. There, uh, the older series. Uh, you got there were compact ones there were vigorous ones for baskets these are more the vigorous types so if you're looking for something very small and tidy to go in a, a small spot these may not do it um, but i'm sure once these succeed there'll be lots and lots of breeding coming behind it and gosh in five or ten years i'm hoping fingers crossed we'll have impatience and busy lizzie's back the back to their number one uh, position and I know everybody who gardens in the shade is looking for those to come back because there just haven't been any really good substitutions no, it, for it, a, for a shady garden. You know, it's really good news to see that and and quite fast that the breeders have come up with a resistance. It takes time, doesn't it? And I think it was 2012 when Downy Mildew wiped out busy lizzies here in the UK. So we're talking six or seven years, and breeders have come up with the answer. Yeah, and the interesting story, at least about Beacon, and I'm not as familiar with how Imara from Syngenta came about, uh, but, but in Beacon's case, uh, Ball actually contracted with a, a Dutch uh, genetics company to do the, the um, uh, oh gosh, I forget what it's called now, when you do the genetic mapping. Is that the genome? The genome. Right. Yeah. yeah, the genome mapping of impatiens. And, and I don't want anyone to think that this is a genetic modified flower in any way, nothing like that. What it means, though, is that the breeders were able to create a cross, and then within really days of, of planting the seeds from that cross, send the little tiny plantlets, just you know, a half inch or an inch tall, off to the lab, and the lab could look at the DNA of that and, and tell right away if the, the uh, resistance the resistant gene was in those seedlings or not, or which ones which ones had it, and then they could they could grow on the ones that had it and dispose of the ones that didn't, and it greatly sped up the breeding process. They didn't have to wait and and grow it out and then test it to see if it had the resistance. And uh, so instead of having to grow ten thousand seedlings to find just a few, they did the genetic test weeded out the you know the nine thousand plus that didn't have it, and then focused their attention on the few that did, and that uh, that sped up the process. So it's a combination of of a traditional breeding with modern genetic uh, testing to uh, to bring us this new variety. We live in an amazing world, don't we? It really is, and and and, and Ball, my my parent company here in uh, West Chicago, just west of the big city, is uh, is in the process of building a big new facility, a, a technology center that's going to uh, to make even more of those kinds of technological advances available uh, to garden flowers, which is amazing because a lot of energy is put into you know, corn and soybeans and the, the big high money crops, but it's, it hasn't been affordable to use those technologies to make better, more disease-resistant flowers or tastier, 
longer lasting vegetables, those kinds of things. And, and now maybe we'll be able to do that. So that's exciting. And I, I get to write about it. That's the fun part. <laughs> Chris, it's great talking to you today. Hope we make a, make a link up again in the future. Wish you well and hope that the mild weather, <laughs> he says in inverted commas, continues with you. <laughs> Peter, can I just say, too, that I've, I've known you since the late 70s when you were a host of the Victory Garden, and I was just a young college student. And for me to get to, to be on the phone with you or not, not only you know, talk to you in person and sort of be colleagues in this industry, is uh, you just don't know how exciting that is for me. So thank you for all you've done. My tower piece this week was prompted by one of the broadsheets that had a feature recently about green food and sustainability of food. They told us that over 30% of bread was thrown away. I couldn't believe that. I don't know when I last threw away a bit of bread. I mean, when it gets a bit dry, you toast it, don't you? And if it's too dry for toasting, then just leave it in the air and make bread crumbs and freeze it. I mean, there's no need to waste any food. And when I went through this sustainability and green food, there was no mention of growing your own. I mean, if you grow your own, and you've got six or eight Brussels sprouts in a row, for example, in a little bit of ground out by the back door, you just pick what you want. There is no waste, is there? Uh, And all of the plant remains just goes on the compost heap, recycled, and goes back into the soil. I just don't understand uh, the modern approach today. Grow your own. If you have a surplus... Well, particularly with things like soft fruits, well, and top fruits come to that if they're cooked, you just put them in a deep freeze. I I really don't understand. There appears to be a whole generation uh, uh, that just likes to throw things away. Not my world. My thanks to Westland Horticulture, sponsors of this podcast, and thanks to you for listening. Enjoy your garden. We'll be back next Thursday. Discover more at sungardening.co.uk Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.